G'day, Nagashites. It's AOS Coach, and we are talking Soul Blight Grave Lords. We are opening up one of the nine tomes of Nagash, and I'm actually really excited about this one. I know I say this a lot, right? But I'm really excited because my guest, first off, did incredibly well. Did went four and one at the Nova Open, was a smidgen away from being invited to the top eight knockout final. But he did something that's quite unique. When I think about competitive soul blight these days, you think about hordes of zombies. You think of blood knights. You think of vampire lord on zombie dragon. You think of some craziness, right? Like some there's some pretty staples, grave guard and double grave guard units. But no, my Mortark guest here, the mad lad himself, Chris Johnson, went double Mortark. Double Mortark, ne uh, Neferata, and Manfred. I was blown away. So I'm going to get into to Chris's head. I want to try to find out um, how are you looking at Soul Blight? That's been really interesting for me as an observer because I really like Soul Blight. And it's changed a little bit from Legions of Nagash. But I haven't noticed too many successful Legion. Uh, I haven't seen many successful Soul Blight Grave Lords in the current General's Handbook. And I don't know if it's the it's the GV stuff. I don't know if um, something has been nerfed. If if we're just trying to try to build the list still. So again, I'm going to introduce my guest as Chris, and I want to find out what is going on. G'day, welcome, Chris. How's it going, Coach? I'm doing well, man. Don't don't ask me questions. I just did a whole <laughs> like two minute monologue preparing for the. How are you? How how are you after Nova? And um, I know, funnily enough, you had Purple Sun in your list. And that has gotten a change as well. So we'll acknowledge how you're thinking about Purple Sun and has it actually impacted your list at all and why you took Purple Sun to begin with. So uh, the big thing that I had with my list was kind of running around what I called the hammer and anvil kind of tactic. So it was basically Neferata's spell needs to go off in order to make the Blood Knights unrendable. And then you have the Graveguard to pop up somewhere on the side of the backfield to kind of create that pincer maneuver with the two. And then with... Manny, he just gets to redeploy wherever he needs to be. So it's really kind of this weird maneuverability game that you try playing with this immovable 390-point brick of Blood Knights. All right, first off, don't ruin Christmas. We're, we're going to hold like an hour, two-hour stream ahead of us. Don't like spoil everything <laughs> before the kids wake up, right? we gotta, we got to tease them with some, with some Mariah Carey Christmas music before we get to Christmas Day. Soul Black Grave Lords, where are they at? When you, like, first off, what got you into them? What got you into playing um, Nagash's horde? So I've always been a death player for a long time. I did branch out in Iron Joes for a little bit, but I was playing Bone Reapers at the start of the year. And then as I started playing more events and people are basically moving their models and they take five seconds of like, you want to redeploy? And I kind of just give them the, I can't. Uh, so what would you like me to do now? And they're like, oh, that's right. So when I couldn't use any of the new abilities that were involved, I slowly started switching. And I really just like skeleton models, to be honest. So that's really what drove me there. Yeah, I love classic undead. That For me, I love the classic undead. I love the vampires. I love the skellies. I love the zombies. Um, I, I love that classicness. I, the the Castellai and some of the... The other Vangorian is a little bit weird for me. Um, I know it's like a different type of horror. I love that like Elizabethan, like Castlevania kind of Dracula type crap. But um, yeah, like it's funny because Soul Blight is such an interesting army. And I know like it did well in the past. But I, I noticed that my, my opponents aren't running the 60 blocks of zombies anymore. I've noticed that 
um, people have been using a lot of direwolves. Even Graveguard, I don't know, like it seems like Sawblight's in a bit of a weird spot at the moment. And I don't know if that's because all of the good death players have moved to Nighthaunt. Maybe it's because Soulblight's not working in the current meta. And I know you went four and one at Nova, which is a massive tournament recently. So obviously there's proof in the pudding that they can do well. But I, I want to know why. Like what is going on with Soulblight? And what have you found in this current general's handbook with GVs and bounty hunters and probably more objectives than we've had in the past? With the GV meta, I kind of feel like all of our troops, so our battle line stuff, literally just get knocked over to a swift breeze. So the skeletons, like an old legion and a gash, they just don't hold up as much as they used to. Sure, they get to come back every time that they fight, but if nobody's left, you're not getting anybody back. So taking those min units and then having to use reinforcement points on them, I personally just don't feel that it's worth it. And then usually the zombies, I feel, just get DPS checked out of the game. So something wants them dead, they're not going to tar pit, and they can use enough stuff to eliminate them and then clear up that big space you once had. Now that could put a whole hole in what your theory and strategy was at that time. Yeah, it's it's an interesting way of looking at it. And I know I've noticed the people who are taking them to tournaments are, are trialing different things. I'm seeing people running around with blood knights um, to avoid the GV meta. I've seen people uh, actually I saw a real cool list that someone did literally all nothing but black knights and some like mounted white kings. And that was a really cool build. Like I thought that was super interesting, but then I thought, where's your damage come from? Like, yeah, you're clogging up the board, but where does the damage come from with nothing? <laughs> like literally nothing but black knights. It was like, I reckon at least 50 black knights. I think I saw it. It was awesome. He had the, uh, he also had somebody on a converted zombie dragon, right? I want to say I don't, think I, I don't think I saw the zombie dragon. I just saw this block of just black knights and it was like a little white king in the middle. Yep. All I could think of is that you're just single strand charging things just to get that multiple potential D3 mortal wounds on things, but then you got nothing left. So so talk to me, right? So what are Soul Black good at, right? Let's let's bring the minions back. Let's ignore Nighthorn and their Scarlet Doom. We know OBR can have a sleep for a while. Let's talk about the best of the death faction, which is Soulblight. What are they <laughs> what are they good at and and what's worked for you so far with um with this current general's handbook? So what I think they're good at is they have this weird durability. So it's not like the standard death one where everything is kind of tough to chew through. Everything's coming back. Because of the summonable keyword, that's just limiting what you can and can't bring back and what kind of sticks around. So it's kind of like you're picking elite units in order to make more durable and then using all of the cheap stuff as chaff. So it's more of like a bait and switch type army, I feel like. If you're playing against somebody who has chaff units, you want to get your stuff into it just to get it closer and then potentially take up more board space. And then you can use your sites in order to kind of spring up things to even take more board control. Not sure if that really answers it much, but no, 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 it's good. It, it, you've got a lot of movement. I think from what I've experienced, and I'm certainly not nearly as experienced with you with Soul Blight, I think what I've noticed this particular general's handbook is that in the past you would have like this unmovable um horde. 
you would have a big block of graveguard, big blocks of skellies, big block of zombies. You'd have this tar pit, right? And you'd move them up the board. And if you took your zombies, you'd have like a corpse card and a necromancer. If you had a, a graveguard and skellies, you'd have like a white king or a vampire lord on foot. And you'd have these unmovable objects that when you're on the objective, you're near your gravesite, you're regenerating, you take them, you, you, you get deleted, you come back from the, the gravesite and want a five up or a four up or whatever it works out to be. Um, but I've noticed that probably this particular season, it seems like there's a lot more layering like an onion where you, you don't want to go all in and build up those 60 block of zombies, those 30 blocks of skellies. You want to be having more smaller size units and more opportunity to come back and limiting the amount of impact of bounty hunters. That's at least my experience when I've played against Soul Blight in this season. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. No, I totally agree. That's my big reason right now why I won't take a White King as the general anymore because he makes the Graveguard GV and then they just get slapped by one bounty hunter unit and then they're dusted off the table without anybody watching. Yeah, it almost feels like you're you're doing your three um, GVs. So you do you do your three um, battle line uh, in GV if you have to, and then you try to actively avoid ways. Uh, and you've only got four reinforcement points anyway. You don't need to be doing uh, clogging up the board, but you're having um, you're having more units, and you're trying to actively avoid GV um, because, as you said, like zombies slap, but a tar pit of sixty zombies or thirty skellies or whatever it works out to be in your in your list. Direwolves, if you reinforce direwolves up. Um, for every one point of damage and you don't have really good armor saves, that's two, that's two bodies. That's, you know, multiple bodies. And, um, that really sucks. I agree. Uh, I also think that one of the best things that they do though, is all the debuffing spells. So that's huge. Most of the other death armies are kind of a mix between debuffing and buffing. Most of all of these spells for Soul Blade are just all about kind of weakening, crippling, almost like giving that enfeebling touch on everything. So they're not as effective as they want to be. Yeah, I agree. And by the way, I'm not whinging, folks. I'm not trying to say to you your army's crap and, and bounty hunters is killing you. What I'm what at least I'm trying to articulate is that you need to think about your army a little bit differently. I think what what traditionally worked in the old general's handbook, the ones prior to this one isn't the strategy I would build around. And I think maybe that's part of the journey currently with Soul Black Grave Lords is, is stop doing because like what you did isn't working because of bounty hunters. Think about it a little bit differently. And, and that's kind of what I want to get into with Chris. Um, how have you found like battle plans? And I do want to talk to you about um, grave sites as well because that's always a struggle. Where do I put my grave sites? What do I put into my grave sites? Um, I found some people have put stuff into grave sites and they've held back for too long. Or you blow your load too quickly and you really lose the benefit of it, it's a funny little mechanic that does take a lot of experience and understanding before you kind of get it right. But uh, I, let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, about graves. How do you how do you do deploy your grave sites? Do you have a strategy, a thought? Um, do you have things that you like to put in grave sites? Yep. So uh, mainly what I put in, especially with my list, I throw in the uh, graveyard, of course, my 20 back a graveyard with their great white blades just because it they have such a high damage output and kind of repositioning that slow unit wherever i need it to be on the field really helps out when i throw down my sights it's usually in like i guess one of three patterns i really try to see where the objectives are so if i'm putting two in my zone and then i'm trying to kind of branch out i'll either do the square that everybody is kind of used to 
a diamond shape on the board if I have objectives in my deployment already, or I'll do, it's kind of like um, a straight line. So I'll put one in my zone and then I'll kind of branch out slowly all the way across to even put one in the very corner of my opponents, because if they want it shut off, they're going to have to go way back. Yeah, I love the psychological threats. When I when I used to play, I haven't really, I actually haven't played Soul Black Grave Lords as a player. I was a big Legions of Nagash player. I loved my Legion of Knight. I was a Manfred fan before Manfred became good, before Manfred could teleport. <laughs> he was the worst Mortark at 440 points, but I loved his plus one, he hit plus one to wound aura. And I love the psychological threat of the grave guard, the grave sites, as well as his up to three units could come on from the side of the board. I always like I always love messing around with that. But you're right. Putting a gravesite into your opponent's deployment territory or putting it somewhere on the side. And if you put at least one thing into into reserve into the gravesites, it's always will he pop something out? And your plan may be never to actually pull it out, but the fact that it's a threat makes your opponent maybe spread out a little bit or keep a unit back to kind of screen it out. And that's one less unit in the fight contesting objectives whatever it might be exactly and then it also depends on if i'm playing against something that's heavy shooting or if they have a lot of maneuver like the skeletons might go in too so it all depends on what the kind of matchup is at that moment do you have by the way i just want to acknowledge elliot here if i kill something with my iron jaws does that mean you're helping death yeah absolutely as long as 100 as long as uh, that jerk's uh, Sigma doesn't steal those souls uh, from Nagash, uh, you're doing you're doing Nagash's bidding. That's awesome. Do you have any favorite units at the moment? Things that maybe uh, either worked really well for you in the current meta, or are there things that um, maybe weren't that good in the last book that now you're kind of revisited? And I mentioned Black Knights as one of them that I've seen a bit of a resurgent because of GVs. But I'll let you answer first. Is there any units that kind of really stand out for you at the moment? So Graveguard, of course, stand out to me just because it's a heavily armored skeleton warrior that just kills things. It's great. Uh, I really like <laughs> the Mortarks. They do a lot of stuff for me. Uh, the model's cool. Their abilities are awesome. And the toolkit that they bring is fantastic. And I just haven't seen many people kind of adapt into that kind of Swiss Army knife for them. Well, no, because most people, when you have, I'm going to call it 400 points, right? Um, if you have 400 points for a monster hero, the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon or Prince Vordry are usually your go-tos. Um, and in the White Dwarf recently, a couple of months ago, um, there were some new rules. And you, one of the things you got were mount traits for your Vampire Lords on Zombie Dragons. So... I, I can see that one of the things that you want is that mobile hammer. And often people like the idea of having a Mortark, but that could be a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. And usually most people would go the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. Or, yes, yes, absolutely, Auracron Spike. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And I got 400 points and, like, you tie it to, like, a Necromancer, so it's getting plus one, as well as, like, the Corpse Cut for a plus one. Now your Necro's doing plus two with Van Hales or, you know, Decrepify or something. Um, straight away, it's just, like, it's, it's, it's tough to take Neferata as much as I love Nephi. It's weird. The Cron Spine, to me, is... How do I put this? I personally don't like it in my list for Soul Blight, 
I love playing against it though, which is really kind of strange because most people are like, that's horrifying. But if you want, we could wait later on and talk about why Blood Knights are so good against that. Cool. All right. All right. Make sure we talk about that because that would seem counterintuitive to people, right? People yeah. would... And it's also interesting too, because um, the way I handle the cron spine is I've got a whole bunch of high volume, low damage shooting. So I will pop off the cron spine with like my Stormcast Judicators or like, you know, uh, Cities of Sigma crossbowmen. I've got shooting, but you don't have that. So I'll be curious to hear from you how you're handling the cron spine because I'm sure it's given a few people some um, some horror moments. I've got a really good question in the chat I'm going to bring up in a second, but I want to close off this part. Is there any other units that you think are worth considering or maybe have gotten a glow up that maybe people should re-look re at? I guess just because I'm a skeleton guy, the Black Knights, like you said, are fantastic. Mm. They're cheap, perfect screen. You don't have to worry about too much kind of micromanaging with coherency. And when they come back, you get three of them instead of just two because you round up. So they're kind of like a suicide missile to go block what you need, take an objective, and then they could pop around later on. Correct me if I'm wrong. Black Knights are units of five? Correct. Yeah, because I used to run, like when I ran my Legion of Night, I would run minimum size unit direwolves. And one of the things that really ground my gears was the direwolves going from units of five to being a unit of ten. And with some of the coherency changes, I'm like, uh, this is not for me. But the Black Knights, one, because they're mounted, they're not GVs, but two, because I can get those minimum unit sizes of five, it gives me a lot more flexibility with how I spread them across the board because of coherency. Uh, it allows me to not invest as many points and I can do other parts. Because I don't want to double down too much into Black Knights. But I think you're right. There's definitely people should reconsider it. And it's ironic because one of the things that you have done is your list is Legion of Blood. That's probably the Legion I least see when I look at, because I look at tournaments all the time. Like at the end, of, on my Monday morning when I wake up and it's, you know, Sunday night in America, I look at all the tournaments and I look at who's doing well and what lists. And it's so rare that Legion of Blood is actually doing well. So um, most people go, I think we talk about like Castellai and Vangorian and it's like, so I think, you know, we'll talk a bit more about Legion of Blood too and why it, it might be worth reconsidering. Perfect. Question from the chat I want to bring up because it's a good one. Um, is our Lord and Savior Nagash? Um, do you think Nagi has a bit of a place in the meta at the moment? I have recently seen him. Um, I saw him running around in Nighthaunt. Uh, I've seen him running around in OBR. And I, I won't spoil it. Give me your thoughts. Where are you at with <laughs> Nagash, the, the Lord of Death? And uh, is he worth considering in Soul Blight at the moment? To be honest, I really haven't looked at him much since he got the nerf bat to where he doesn't get keywords from OBR. That's the last time I've seen him. Yeah, I one of one of the challenges um, that Nagash has is the, the, first off, he's grinds my gears games workshop. If you're listening to this, why does the Lord of Death not have a deathless save? <laughs> True. Yes, he has a mortal wound save, but why is the death? Why is the Lord of Death the guy who like he runs the joint? not have a deathless. So um, that to me, and like, the, like he's a great piece, but he's a big, big points cost at the moment with a lack of synergy. And yeah, he can bring back some summonable models and yeah, he's got a great spell law, but he's a lot of points that I think you could be better spent elsewhere. I agree. Totally. That was my issue with him. So I've seen people play him first spell. They go to cast snake eyes and all right, well now what are you going to do? He, 
It's rare, but it happens. By the way, if you want to run Nagash and he's your favorite model and you painted him up, you do you. I'm not trying to shame you. But if I was going to go to a grand tournament and I wanted to do well, um, Nagash, unfortunately, would have to stay at home and maybe give some advice before. You know, he's, not coming. he's not coming to the tournament with me or he can come for moral support. And James, we will talk about the list. Um, it will be in this discussion. We'll bring up the list. But also because Purple Sun changed both in points and abilities, um, I know Chris has got some thoughts as well around um, his list altering and what it will look like moving forward. So stay tuned. We will get to that point. Um, anything else you want to add, like from a, a glow up point of view? Uh, kind of not really. The only things that I really looked at were the skeleton units and, of course, the vampires. So part of like zombies, how the necromancer changed. Uh, if he even did, I really haven't seen much. So it's weird just kind of switching from OBR to Soul Blight. The last minute of the beginning of summer to go to Nobu is kind of what happened. What did you, what did you notice out of curiosity? If there's some people here in the chat who are maybe all in on death and they play a bit of you know Nighthorn OBR and and Soulblight, what have you noticed switching from OBR to to Soulblight? So you have so many more tools. Like with the Relentless Discipline points, you created so many of them. Yeah, you could use them multiples, but half the time it's wasted points. For the command abilities, just a simple redeploy, and people kind of get freaked out when you redeploy closer to them with, like, a unit of Black Knights, and they're like, well, why did you do that? And just that simple ability, being able to access those kind of changes a bunch for me. That was my big thing that I saw. Another good question from the chat. This is a bit of a spoiler, but... I'll let, it, I'll let it through to the goalkeeper. Uh, Jonathan asking about um, Caddo the Hollow King. Uh, that's very Australian to me. Caddo. <laughs> new unit. That was the new um, new vampire lord that we had that came out at the same time as that Carriage and Overlords. Um, who cares? Um, <laughs> well, I'm sure people, some people might care. But like the, the new vampire, the Hello King. Um, so spoiler alert, the second list that Chris is going to show us actually has um, Caddo in. But what's your perspective? Is it worth flipping out a Vampire Lord on foot? Is it a good model to own? What's your observations of this new hero? He's a great model to own. He's a very good utility piece, but because he doesn't fit into any of the real legions because he's just a lone wanderer so much that he's going to limit you based on how many heroes you're taking. If you're doing a swarm thing and need something to kind of help cut through, he'll help a little bit, but... He's not quite better than a Vampire Lord just because you can't hit him with the command ability or the command trait and the artifacts. So I'm just looking at his War Scroll. So he's a wizard, so he's single caster, single unbinder. You've got the hunger, so you can do some healing if um, what you fought. You have the Lost Court where in the hero phase uh, you have one of these effects where you can either make the movement 14, add plus one to casting, dispelling, and unbinding, or you can, uh, what, do mortal wounds. Yeah, instead of going to wound. So yeah, if they wound, they just do mortals instead. So, you know, early early game or to kind of cap an objective or maybe to start challenging in certain areas, you've got that spirit of the steed for the 14-inch movement. Um, if you find yourself against wizards or you really need to get rid of that uh, enemy spell, you could always do the, the plus one to cast. Um, some some good utility value, but I think to what you just said, you can't customize it like you can with a vampire lord. And in your world, where you're a Legion of Blood, Legion of Blood also has extra vampire abilities um, that were given to you in White Dwarf. So we'll talk about that literally. I'm going to pull it up in a second, folks. 
a lot of cool rules that you may have missed as well from White Dwarf. Um, I'm just rereading the spell. What's the spell do? It's a casting value of six, range 18, um, D3 mortal wounds. Uh, if it's a chaos unit, it suffers flat three instead of three. Um, or if you pick a soul black grave lords unit, you can heal D3 wounds or bring back a model of D3 value. So good yep. utility there. I definitely like him. He's going to be a cool piece, but just because he can't be customized, that's where I kind of rank him just under a Vampire Lord. Yeah, especially in Soulblight. Sorry, especially in Legion of Blood. Especially in Legion of Blood. Exactly. Um, I think if you are like any other Legion where you don't have the extra boosts, and we'll talk about the, the boost now. So a lot of rules, both in the Battle Tome and White Dwarf. I'll call out the White Dwarf ones as we go through. But when you look at Soulblight, is there particular rules that you build around versus what's nice to have? So when we look at like, you got the quiet dead, you got the locus of, Sh of Shaiish, you've got deathless minions, you've got, you know, reanimated horrors. You've got the new rule, which is the deathly coordination. Uh, spoiler alert. There's another set of rules behind the scenes as well. There's an extra page <laughs> coming. You're very rule heavy, but you mentioned it's a lot of units and there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of choices that can cause analysis paralysis. What do you build around and what do you like here on the page so far? So the ones that always stick out to me, of course, are the Unquiet Dead. Just to be able to throw those potential threats under a grave site and have them pop up and play that mental game with people. The Deadly Coordination one could be really cool if you're able to keep your vampire that's on foot specifically like up with everybody because that's where it'll trigger. So basically you kind of get the... Uh, what is it, the Savage Orc, or I can't remember what they're even called in Sigmar right now, where he fights and then he gets to pick another unit within a range and they fight immediately. So you can kind of hammer through units before you could risk that potential damage coming back to you. You see what the, like the Grave Guard and a Vampire Lord or a White King on foot, because it is... Um... Is it a small hero? It's not on a monster, right? So it's a, yeah. it's like your Chattaka, your, your Vampire Lord. Like, like, you don't want your Necro doing that unless it's like a get out <laughs> of like last last resort. But if you've got like that fighty vampire, you've got a, a White King, you've got Radica, you've got some type of minor hero that's combat orientated that isn't a monster. Yeah, mm -hmm. Deathly Coordination goes really well. Uh, then the other big one that isn't on this page at the moment that I look back is the coming back for summonable death rattle and dead walker units after they've been dead at half strength. So those are really the big ones that I always check out. Cool. So Locus of Shaish, which is the, um, if you cast a spell on a nine plus, um, you get to uh, resolve the spell for a second time. Nice to have. Obviously, it, it's completely at random. Uh, it doesn't work for like Arcane Bolt or Mystic Shield. It's only what happens in your um, your spell law. And obviously, it's about a nine plus, so you just have to be lucky. It's no no way around it. To be honest, ten out of ten times, I forget that if I even hit the nine, it's like all right, this needs to go on these units, and then if I get a bonus one, I kind of forget about it. It's sad, but it happens. What about, what about, before we move on to the other part, I want to just, we kind of qu quietly, you know, skip the, the, the unquiet dead, right? You know, yeah, grave, grave guard, sorry, gra uh, grave sites and, and putting things and summonable. Yeah, it's, it's great. Do you build around summonable keyword? Like when you're building a list, do you try to get as many summonable units to maximize the quiet undead 
abilities or is it just when you've built your list if you happen to have summonable units then or do you even think about it go right well i'm going to have at least one threat that i can put into the the grave site so it's kind of like a mixture of all right will one unit benefit from this and does it have a purpose and can it get to that purpose from this ability and two i'll build the list with the purpose and if they happen to benefit as well it's just icing on the cake for it yeah, I, I, I really like this as a threat piece um, or even to get onto objectives, especially if you are up against um, armies that have a lot of shooting. Um, if maybe you are not going to have the decision to who goes first and who goes second. So if you're a threat that they're going to like, you know, carriage and overlords, for example, can shoot off your key pieces. Well, you can pop those, as you said, the grave guard into the, the grave site and keep them around at least for a turn. Yep, exactly. The challenge always is with the gravesite, and I've seen people like overextend with this one. Is that you've? Got, it sounds great that I'm going to put my grave guard in a gravesite. I'm going to pop them outside of nine, and then I'm going to charge you with all my buffs for my white king or my va my vampire lord. But it's still a nine inch charge. So um, looking at yeah, yes, you know, I think well, I think statistically a reroll is still about fifty percent. Um, without a reroll, it's like a twenty five percent success rate approximately. Don't quote me, mathematicians, but it's a very unlikely to hit that charge without any bonuses, which you can't put on them because they're in the grave. Exactly. Yep. They can't be targeted for any of those. Uh, the only kind of one that you can kind of play gimmicky with is uh, the command trait where you get to reroll for Legion of Blood. That's the only one that I had that I was kind of toying with. And we'll get to that when we get to the list. I keep trying to open my presence though, as you say. I've seen, I have seen that happen way too many times where they pop the grave guard out, they fail the charge, and then they lose the priority roll. So then it's just perfect. I'm in range to go pew pew and not get involved in the, um, in, into the grave guard. So yep. you've got to, you've got to really think about, um, what your plan is if you fail. I totally agree. I have gotten lucky one game where I put them out completely trying to get the best move possible, hit the nine, and luckily I made it. If not, the unit was gone. Like, there was no ifs, ands, or buts. So it was either dice happened or they didn't. Uh, you absolutely can use COG for the reroll charges, but correct me if I'm wrong, COG still has a range where you can only reroll charges with a certain distance, which is pretty sure. I, I, I think so. Every time I use cogs, it's now to, it's it's now to reroll spells. I, I'm, I'm not use I'm not using <laughs> cogs to fast. I'm using cogs to slow down. Which then the problem is is like how do you get cogs close enough to the charge when they pop out in the movement phase, but you bring the cogs on in the hero phase? So there's some shenanigans. 18 inches. Okay, cool. So if it's an 18 inch bubble, okay. again, I have I haven't looked at the fasting up for a while. It's always a slow down for the rerolls. Um, yeah, that's that's plus one to charge could help. Um, Cool. Plus one to charge, especially with a reroll with a command point if you've got a hero. So you might want to bring a hero in range to issue it. Um, cool. Okay. Cool. All right. So there's some changes either way. All right. Either way, cogs is an option, but think about how you get them in range. Cool. 
Thanks, chat. <laughs> oh, thanks, chat. Um, you've got the other set of rules. You've got the deathly invocation, uh, where you can obviously bring back models, summonable models, depending if you're a Mortark, a Death Mage, Vampire, or Death Rattle. You can bring back bodies or, or units. Uh, sorry, models. You can. You got the Deathless Legion. Um, some things that are specific to you, obviously, is going to be Immortal Majesty, which is a um, Legion of Blood ability. You've also got a new White Dwarf rule. Um, which you may have missed called Unparalleled Expertise, which is, um, this is again, only for Legion of Blood. Um, and you can give a boost to your vampires, either a combat boost or a casting boost for your vampires, both on foot or um, mounted. Uh, and then you've obviously got your uh, your other Soul Blight, Soul Blight your other um, Legion of Blood rule, which is the, the favored retainers. So the best one, honestly, here is the Unparalleled Expertise. And that's what I used at Nova that helped out so much. And you get to pick basically if he's going to be more fighty or more magic orientated. So I went with magic. So his first uh, casting, dispelling, or unbinding is at a plus two to cast, which is sometimes needed, especially once we get to my list part where I try to use it as most as possible to cast Purple Sun. Yeah, and I really like it. So you've got, if with Soul Blight, so with Legion of Blood, <laughs> with Legion of Blood, um, there is a level of customization when it comes to your minor heroes. So if you don't take Prince Vordry, which you probably wouldn't because, what is he, Castellai? Um, mm -hmm. It's another great way to make your Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon more combat -y because you'd get, what, an extra attack? Or if it was on foot and you're going for that rule we just talked about, the, um, the Deathly Coordination, your Vampire Lord on foot supporting Graveguard or Zombies or Skellies could get plus two to combat um plus two attacks uh, if they're on foot or as you mentioned uh the first cast dispel or unbinding attempt could get a plus one or a plus two depending on if they're mounted or unmounted so it really gives you a lot of value in your sub commanders definitely agree it's a definitely a list building type thing where you need to gear him if you want him to be more fighty or magic orientated it's not just like let's throw one on him just because we have points it has to have a purpose, and if not, then you're kind of wasting it. By the way, I just looked at Chronomatic Cogs. It's a re-roll to charge, so um, I feel like I'd rather just bring a minor hero in range to issue issue it than um, I'd, I'd probably, if I yeah, I'd probably use the, I'd still use Cogs to re-roll casting, um, but it's it's an option, especially if you don't want to bring a minor hero in range of the of the gravesite to issue it. So. Um, how do you think about like any other rules that you think here that are important to you when you build around? Like, are you like, like, are you looking at like bravery debuffs with like immortal majesty to, to add extra D threes to models plus like a horror ghast or looking for bravery debuffs, for example? I definitely do the extra kind of bravery debuffs. And then the additional flea certainly helps out because once you kind of tell people that, it makes them rethink if they're going to use that extra command point and be like, oh, if I do fail, I could potentially lose, you know, the whole unit if it's like a unit of 10 or something. But the big one that I look at is uh, the favored retainers for Legion of Blood, where you keep your uh, skeletons basically fighting at top bracket always. So they can never be negatively modified. They're going to hit and wound, but they can always be uh, positively modified. So it's always a good thing. So where is that? Where is that coming to play for you? It comes into play when the Graveguard are kind of center mass. Basically, everybody then can throw deep ups on them. Um, 
I know one of my buddies that thinks in the chat, he plays uh, a cities list that plays the Phoenixes. So they're minus one to hit and wound for everything within a bubble. And that mm. kind of put a big uh, idea in my head where I'm like, well, if cities has debuffs, so everybody else has to have a bunch of them. So this seems really good. And especially since my army wants to be close, they'll always be within 12 to benefit from that. Uh, and by the way, yes, Chronomatic Cogs is a range of 12, not range 18, if anyone had seen something in the chat. So it's range 12. It could work for you. Again, my preference would be just to do re-roll casts as opposed to just rather issue a command point and find more command points to re-roll charges. But um, there's options either way. Yeah, I I, I don't mind that. I, I don't. I haven't found too many debuffs, though. Um, I, I guess if it happens, it happens, which is great. But... Um, at least, you know, if nothing more, you're fighting uh, as, as close as possible to your best outcome. Yep, exactly. Uh, Deathly Invocation, though, is basically the same thing as it was for uh, OBR. So kind of just making sure you're summonable guys instead of just X amount of OBR units. So you got to make sure that it's summonable you're picking. I, Ozzy, if you're watching, I apologize for bringing back a Blood Knight that one game. My bad. <laughs> uh, but... It definitely helps out when you have two more Tarks, you can basically pick almost all of my summonable units twice. And then with the Vampire, he can help out an additional. So it definitely helps things stay around if they happen to live through the punchback. So do you, when you look at Deathly Invocation, do you look at this and go, right, well, I need a Mortark in my list. At, you know, I, I always need a Mortark to maximize the up to four Deathly Invocations. Are you like trying to min-max this and get, you know, Vampires and Mortarks over death mages and and you know death rattle things like that or um how do you think about like it from a list construction point of view to be honest just because of the mortark extra i don't even really consider it because of everything else that they bring i think it's an additional piece that kind of helps out so if they bring back a couple of guys that's you know chopping off a little bit of extra points that they cost that game so it helps them kind of build their points back so it's not something that i seek out directly it's just an additional bonus. And it's kind of this weird thing with the entire book. I feel like your base army has this. Pick one of the strategies and a tool for it and then see what additional things come with it. So it's like kind of video game DLC that's free. <laughs> so then talk to me about the other part where you can heal up to D3 wounds. So um, we obviously know I can roll a one. And if I build an army full of two wound direwolves, three wound blood, oh, not blood knight, blood knights aren't summonable, three wound i don't know something that's three wounds i don't know what's summonable with three wounds uh i'm not even sure if even the new like half vampire ghoul things are three wounds they might even be four i was gonna say spirit host but then i completely forgot they pulled spirit host out of your book but let's, <laughs> yep. but let's say but let's say hypothetically right i don't know let's say spirit host and they're not there three wound three wound idiot do you look at your deathly invocation and say well I need to build in a whole bunch of one wound models because if I build around two wound models and I roll a one, deathly invocation is wasted because you don't, you don't, but then like you're healing and like, like, how do you think about that? Cause you heal or bring back. Are you happy just to be topping up units that are injured? Are you trying to maximize and bring back units to full strength? I think it's much better if you're playing a list that is one wounds compared to the multiple wounds, because then you're trying to bank on rolling that five or six for the D3. Yeah, you have multiple attempts, but if you're just rolling it on, say you do bring that buffed up unit of 30 skellies and they knock them down to 10 and you have now three D3 that you're throwing back at it and you could potentially bring back nine, 
that creates a horror story for people. So definitely the single wound entities, I think, are better for it. If you're doing kind of cheeky stuff because they can have pick up to more units, especially for the Mortarks, getting a Black Knight every now and then, that's kind of cool too. But I don't think that you would want to base your whole list building around it. No, it's a nice to have, but it's definitely not, you're not trying to build a list around Deathly Invocation. Um, that's kind of the point that I wanted to make at list construction, which funnily enough, a super chat's come in that I want to acknowledge. First off, thank you, Lyle Dixon. Much appreciated for the super chat. And a really good question, actually, uh, before we move into the next set of rules is um, Lyle's asked, as someone who has decided to jump into AOS and Soul Black Gravelords from a tournament 40K um, this week, would Chris recommend Legion of Blood being a good starting dynasty, or is it, or is it more of a, a toolboxy, tricksy thing that maybe uh, a new player should look out for? I think if you play 40K already, Legion of Blood is going to be perfect for you. They're awesome. They have so many tools in there. And if you're already used to all of the rule stacking from that game, you'll be fine. If you're brand new, you only really need to pay attention to the two Legion of Blood special rules, and you could play them as well. But I think that they're probably the best legion in my opinion but that's just because i've had success with them yeah I, I yeah there's a lot of tricks and a lot of look if you're brand new to soul blight maybe these tricks aren't for you maybe to find something a little bit more what's probably the most vanilla of the sub faction of the dynasties if i was new new without the the 40k background <sighs> castellai either castellai or uh viracos right because they're Kind of like they have that one box shop. You have the whole army. The rules are kind of simple. Yeah, there's a few characters in there, so it's War Scroll orientated. But I think that Castle is probably the easiest one with just, hey, here's my 15 to 20 Blood Knights. Let's play the game. Yeah, I'd probably say that. And whether you do some stuff with the Crimson Keep or not, you know, I think, yeah, Castellite's a bit straightforward. Even Legion of Blood's pretty forgiving. Just um, don't put things into reserve early. Um because the Legion of Blood rules outside the reserve stuff is pretty pretty good. I agree. Yeah. Um, anything else you'd want to call out with the Allegiance abilities here, or uh, should we move on to some of the other extra White Dwarf rules that people might have missed? I think that uh, we touched on everything that I wanted to. There's nothing really kind of changing. I will say if you can play the Legion of Blood and you get to kick off Immortal Majesty and you like that whole concept, consider throwing in the horror gas. So then when things run away, it's 2D3 extra models, and that really kind of puts a hamper on people's plans. So that's always a fun one that I try to consider. And by the way, just for anyone who may have been confused in the chat, I did see a question. Uh, are, we, are, we, are we saying that you can use uh, Deathly Invocation on the same unit multiple times? Uh, the answer would be no, because actually in that... If you look at what what's on the screen um, towards the very end, it says the same unit cannot benefit from this ability more than once per turn. Uh, in addition, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, no, you can't do that. Um, <laughs> Freaky Deaky mentioning Castellite is the best. <laughs> Castellite is good, but Legion of Night is the, is the thing for me. Like, it, it plays <laughs> my play style. I love the sneakiness of Manfred. That's just, that's who I am. You do have some White Dwarf rules. I mentioned a couple of months ago, White Dwarf gave you a couple of boosts. Some of those things like Deathly Coordination came in from White Dwarf. So if you're looking at this video going, where are these rules, Coach? Why aren't they in my Battle Tome? They were added from White Dwarf. So you've got some, um, some, some new rules in there. But one of the things that I thought was really missing, and I'm glad they added it, was that you now have Mount Traits. So this can't go on to your Prince Vordry being a unique character, but your generic Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon can get either the Locus of Death or the 
voted Miasma. Um, do you like either of these or do they, they work for you? Or if you were to, t I know you don't have a vampire Lord and zombie dragon in your list, but if you did, which one would you take? If I did, I'd definitely pick the voted Miasma. Why? Just because you have the reroll. So when it gets terrible, so you're kind of banking on that shooting breath to clear a screen, potentially it'll kind of help kind of mitigate the terrible roll. But the Locus of Death one for the Deathly Invocation, just because if you only have so many units, adding an additional one isn't really going to do much more, especially since you can't pick the same guy twice. Yeah, I was thinking if you don't have a Mortark in your list, then look, if you if the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon is your, your centerpiece and you don't have a Mortark, there's argument probably for Locus of Death because it in improve and increase the amount of regeneration you've got. But I think to your point, Miasma is probably the one that I'd want to be doing because um, the breath weapon is a short range. Uh, you don't have a lot of uh, you don't have a lot of shooting in your army, so when you do, you want to make the most of it. And um, and holistically, it just makes it much more of a threat piece, which is really you're not taking a vampire lord in the middle of your board, being a, a buff piece like your I don't know, like your um, your wizard wagons, like uh, what are they called um, the corpse cards. No, no, the stupid like vampire ladies on the oh, the, like, uh, like Blood Coven and yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, the, the the Palaquin and the Blood, yeah. All it's not that like that. That's your that's more of a buff piece. That's like your centerpiece. This is going in for the kill. Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, and like yeah, you know, yes, I agree with you. You know, in the chat, you know, if it was like it allowed you, if Locus of Death allowed you to like stack and pick a unit twice, yeah, cool, no problem. Perfect. But I think plus one, plus one, probably not as good as what I would probably would. Yeah, I would take Miasma every day of the week. I just find it weird though that they would have a mount trait that affects other units instead of the mount itself. That was kind of weird to me. Uh, question from the chat. Can I heal a Sunwall unit with Deathly Invocation only once or with every hero I have? Because the rule says at the end that it can't be enough more than once. So you heal or you you bring back, right? So if you have, let's say, let's use Black Knights as an example or Direwolves as an example, both summonable units. If I have a, if I have a uh, Black Knight on one wound uh, and I roll a three, I, I heal a wound, that's it. I don't, I don't heal a wound and bring back. Mm -hmm. but if i was on nothing if there was like no wound tokens on my black knights and i rolled the the four plus or three up um it would bring back a model so it doesn't spill over you don't get both it's one or the other it's heal or it's regenerate a model right the only thing that allows you to target it twice is the specific spell i think it's like invigorating aura that's on all of the vampires that you can do multiple times but it's a spell you have to cast in order to bring back multiple times You've got a new uh, grand strategy and three battle tactics. Grand strat, do you use this one or are you finding yourself more using the one that's in um, the battle pack? So this one, um, Vampiric Conquerors, when the battle ends, the any of the grand strategy, blah, 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 you control more grave sites than your opponent. And um, controlling um, the grave sites is, is the same as controlling uh, an objective, which is with, it's more models within three inches from memory. So... Um, yep. Do you find people are, is this an easy one to do or do you just prefer something like in the battle pack? I prefer the battle pack one because it's almost easier to get take what's theirs, especially with the way that I've been playing where I have all of these maneuverabilities involved. But 
if somebody were to basically swarm my grave sites and then we just turn out and it's a grind fest, I might not be able to get it. So it's almost, I don't want to say a better surefire way to get the three points from the grand strat, but it's definitely a cool one to have if your army is kind of that slow grinding advance and you can even play it to keeping your grave sites at mid board and your deployment to make sure that you keep them. So it depends on your play style, but not for the way that I've been doing it. I know when I played with my grave sites, I found if I had a lot of summonable units um, and I had the ability to put mod models into the grave site, I found my smart opponents would, would target them. So they would try to put bodies on the objectives to, or the bodies on the, uh, the grave site to attempt to restrict where I could pull models out or limit the amount of models that came out. So if I'm putting more focus on the grave site by making my grand strategy about capping the grave site, I don't know if I want to put that focus onto them. I'd rather you forget about them, hopefully, and then it's a tool that I can leverage. I don't know. That's how I, I look at this. I like that idea. The other thing I think you really could do is play that whole game of instead of using them as a mental game where things might come out, you place them as defendable spots for you and you play that game. So that could be an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I just find that I put my grave sites, a lot of them is where I think the fight's going to happen. So yeah, I'll put one defensively, one, one defensively, one offensively. So I've always got uh, a threat in my opponent's territory, but I've also got, um, a last bastion if you know if the two grave sites in the middle are, uh, are being denied and i can't bring back a, a, a summonable unit i've still got the backfield that i can bring back or if i need to defend a, a home objective if if i put too many behind i feel like i'm losing some of the abilities and the threats that my faction is bringing but you you choose how you want to choose and i think there's some good ideas either way i i probably agree with you i probably wouldn't pick this grand strategy yeah i usually stay away from it even in uh practice games where i picked and i'm like it, it just doesn't happen uh is there a new soul black grave lords book uh no the this is uh this is chris johnson when uh four and one at nova open a very large tournament did very well uh top 20 just missed out on the final knockout um, tournament that happened. Uh, did incredibly well. So that's that's the reason for this show. Um, but you did get a whole bunch of White Dwarf rules that we are literally highlighting now. The other one are the three battle tactics. Do you seem to be using these? Are there ones that you favor more than others? Or are these just hot garbage? Uh, I love the Callus Overlord one, or Callus. I can't pronounce it. But that one's fantastic. I use that one probably every game and just throw something into somebody's big baddie, let them smush it, and then, all right, thanks for my battle tactic. What what, what do you like being smushed with um, Callus Overlord? Uh, it's kind of a kick in the face, but I'll throw the 10 skeletons in there, just let them die, and then hopefully something retaliates and I get them back. And then it's like, all right, so I got three points, and now I got my five skeletons back, so I kind of got a double win there. What about the other two? You've got Lust for Blood, which talks about the hunger slash the Mortarka blood ability. Uh, and then you've also got Unstoppable Army, which is around the Endless Legions battle trait. The Lust for Blood one, I like. It's very kind of, I don't want to say swingy, but if you know you could put Manfred into a unit of like five uh, small Idiot. troops that have a five-up save. Yeah, anything tiny. And he kills something, he can heal up. Same thing with Neferata, Blood Knights. So if you can set up those plays to do it, sure. But most of the time you'll want them somewhere else beating up or kind of hemorrhaging bigger threats. 
So if it's later in the game and things are kind of dwindling down, that's when I'll use that one. Uh, the Unstoppable Armies one is honestly only a last-ditch effort if you have nothing left. Like, you're going to go for a 33% chance to roll your five or a six to get a unit back. I uh, there's, a, there's a mate of mine I play often who plays Soul Blight. His name's Thomas. Shout out if you're watching this. And I swear every time we play, and we play often, we've played at, you know, top tables at GTs. We've played, you know, at our local game store just on friendlies. And I swear he has never rolled an, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the Endless Legions once. Oh, my God. He's, I, I swear every time he rolls that dice, he has never done it. And if he has, it's been, like, late at the game where it's literally meant nothing. Um, I feel sorry for him, and I feel like this is a risk. This is a last ditch. If I need it, awesome. But is it something early in my deck that I want to be using? Nah, it's it's too risky and too swingy unless you have multiple combats where you know that things are going to die, and that's because you've gone multiple waves of 10-man skeletons or, or, ten, or ten, five unit black knights. Yeah, black knights. And you know that these, these trash units are going to die, and that's going to be an easier thing. But otherwise, it's too much of a risk for me. I also think that it's kind of a... Uh worse because even if you kill multiple units so you drop that number because the way the rule works is for each enemy unit you kill you get to decrease that number by one so say you do get them back and you roll a four instead of the five because i believe it specifically says a five up that mm. you wouldn't get it yeah that sucks yeah well, if it well, said well a successful is... endless legions roll then maybe yeah. it'd be better but yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. And yes, a good comment in the chat as well. The Lust for Blood is your general or two vampires with the Hunger or Mortarka Blood. So uh, yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be your general. It can be uh, if you've got a couple of little foot vampires, you've got a vampire on Zombie Dragon and Vordry or, you've, you know, whatever it might be, you, you've got some options. So, uh, yeah, that's a really good one. That's a really good one because you want to be in combat. Cool. Anything else you want to add here, or should we get into the sexiness that was your Nova list? <laughs> I'm good to move on. Thanks, man. All right. So here's your Nova list. Um, your list has slightly changed, as we've already acknowledged earlier in the show, because Purple Sun has changed. Purple Sun has gone up to 90 points, which would mean this list is uh, invalid. Don't at me. We already know this. We have already got an extra list after this to, to, to talk about the post- Purple sun change, right? So you've gone Legion of Blood. You've gone Take What's Theirs and Bloodthirsty as your triumph. You got Manny. You've got Nephi. Uh, Manfred's got uh, Fading Vigor and Overwhelming Dread. Neferata's got Decrepify and Overwhelming Dread. You got your Vampire Lord on foot with the Sanguine Blur. Um, Art Arcane. So you've gone the Wizardy version, not the Combaty version. Um, the Orb of Enchantment. You've got Pinions and Invigorating Aura. Two units of five black knights, two units of skell, yeah, two units of ten skellies, a unit of twenty grave guard, a unit of ten blood knights, and purple sun coming in at nineteen eighty five. Uh, you and expert conquerors, bounty hunters, right? Correct. Cool. Just to make sure that wasn't a copy and pasta error. <laughs> no, you good. What is going on here? How does this work? How do you make the most of eight hundred points of double mortark? Talk to me about this madness because some people are going to go, what the F is going on? So the whole list revolves around literally two spells going off. And that's basically the whole thing. Um, Neferata's War Scroll spell, for those of you that don't know, she gets to pick a Soul Blight unit and make them basically 
ethereal, but they get to benefit from positive modifiers. So you sit her within 12 inches of the Blood Knights. You cast her spell on them. Usually I'll save it for last. So Manny throws out two spells. The Vampire Lord will throw out his one. Then she'll throw out two. And usually I'll wait until they're out of casting or try to get her as close as any bonus uh, arcane ruins or terrain pieces to make sure it goes off. And then you basically have a 390-point unit with 30 wounds on a two-up save that's unrendable when everything's said and done. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, the way the whole list works, though, is your Black Knights basically screen out your entire deployment zone. The Skeletons screen out the back if there's any threat of anything kind of dropping down. And you use your Commando traits or abilities from Manny to give the plus one to hit and wound within their 12. So then you also put that towards the Blood Knight, so the hitting on twos, wounding on twos. And then Nephi's there to debuff with her minus one to hit or holy within 12 as the grave guard, you know, can pop up wherever you need them and kind of plug and play. I love that. So many questions. Um, like <laughs> I was just looking at the spell law, right? I'm just refreshing myself with the spell law. Cause I remember one of the spells that I would always take, it was one of my first ones, right? Is I loved, um, I love pinions, especially for like vampires on foot to get that extra move. But one that I always took was vile transference to get that extra healing. And I was like, wait a second, he doesn't got, he hasn't got it, but you've gone double overwhelming dread. So does that mean that he's casting it twice? No, it means you've got utility on the table so you can pull it from wherever you need it. Or if one goes down, you've still got overwhelming dread. What, why is that so important that you've doubled up on, on it? It's there because most of the time, Manny will drift away from Neferata slowly because, as everybody knows, he's a big coward, so you might need it on a different side of the board. But it's just there to kind of save it for one of them. So if you need Manny to pop Wind of Death for some reason and then Fading Vigor, and then Neferata is always going to try to cast hers, and then depending on what she needs, it'll be the Mystic Shield of that. So it's always just kind of there to have. Does Neferata still have the debuff bubble? She has the, it's a command ability. Yes, yeah. So you've got the ability, right, the twi the Twilight's Aura to pop the command in the hero phase um, to create a minus one to hit Aura within 12. And then you've tapped into Decrepify. That can also subtract one from wound rolling um and minus one damage as well so one of the cool things that you you people may have missed is your, your mortarks allow you to tap into both the law of the death mages and the law of the vampires and that was always one of the challenges i had is that you know you got to take the necromancer to get into the law of the mages because they're so good you know from fading vigor overwhelming dread decrepify even soul harvest i really liked um there's a lot of great options but outside of like your necro um, there wasn't a lot of good options and your necromancer would never be in range, but that's where the Mortarks come into play, having access to both spell laws. And, and, and yeah, I, I really dig it. Yep. And the big thing with the spells is most of it is all 18 inches. So you definitely got to be close in order for them to even work. Have you got double spell by the way? You, Cause you haven't got warlord. Double spell for whom? Uh, you, well, you've got like fading vigor and overwhelming dread on Manfred. How they so got two spells? The one that I selected is Fading Vigor. Overwhelming Dread in something just came on it. I don't know why. So it was just a duplicate thing. But on the app, he just selects one, which is Fading Vigor. So okay, I don't cool. know I... how that copied over. 
Cool. All right, no problem. Just I, I just, I just had this moment of like, wait a second, he's gone warlord. No way, he hasn't got it on the list. Just don't at me, folks. Why is this person? This person's illegal. Don't do that to me. <laughs> All right. So it was decrepified and fading bigger. Yeah. Yep. How oh, do you? <laughs> Go on. I'm thinking of the uh, invigorating aura spell that they have. Is what we were talking about. Not no. the, the debuff. That's my fault. No, no, I'm looking at this list going, how's he got two spells? But if you wanted two spells on your on your Mortark, just find yourself a uh, Warlord, get, get into just one of the other ones, you get an extra enhancement. And that, that could also be worthwhile. I'm sure you've got plenty of troops to do that. Um, how does this list work, right? So you've got your you got your um, your Blood Knights, which are an absolute castle with the, the two-up save, unrendable, you know, when you combine it with Nephi. You've got, what, your skeleton troops who can be... Uh, blocking up the board, holding objectives, uh, screening if if you get an aggressive opponent. Um, where the Black Knights come in, something that people don't use a lot. So the Black Knights I use in my list as a first potential screen in case somebody can reach out and touch me, definitely. Uh, they usually run off to grab one of the side objectives if they're not the proving ground. But the big thing I use them for, and again, shooting lists is I'll throw them into the charge first to potentially soak up that uh, Unleash Hell because it's 10 wounds, 5-up save with a 6-up ward, so it's a potential that they live through it, but they have to then take that guess if, well, am I going to make the long bomb charge to get in there or am I going to shoot at this unit and then let everything else charge me? Yeah, and I know I know a lot of people in the early days were like frothing at the mouth with fell bats. Like fell bats are gonna do that. They're gonna like run into unleash hell, and like everyone had mathed math that out. I rarely see fell bats in the list, and I think it's because like if you don't go up against shooting list, fell bats are just not that good. But having some utility of of having the black knights um, who can screen, who can do a little bit of damage, who can soak up unleash hell. The utility for a similar price point, yes, they're a little bit more expensive. Um, it's probably just better in the Black Knights. And they're battle line, but not GVs. Yeah, that's the other big thing is uh, Legion of Blood, is that Black Knights are battle line in Legion of Blood. Yeah. So that I completely forgot about till I saw my list again, so my fault. <laughs> That's all right. No, but there's another there's another good reason why you might want to consider it because it fulfills your battle line. You're not giving up a lot of GVs, and that could help. And it can help and hinder, right? It means you've still got some threats for the proving ground with your skellies. Um, it will mean though that some of the battle plans where you give up, you know, GVs and uh, extra points for GVs if they're slain, or if you uh, it makes some of the battle tactics for opponent harder because you don't have a lot of GV options um, anyway. So. It gives you some diversity and some and some interesting tools in your army, and it's certainly something that I'm doing right at the moment is, is trying to pull back as many as my GVs as possible, um, because the value just isn't there for me, um, personally. I agree, definitely. I think that maybe in future lists that I might even drop the skeletons altogether and just run three black knights and then see what else I could fit in there. So it's kind of pulling away from having the GVs to hit the proving grounds and stuff to more, can I maneuver around the board better and then add in tools? I mean, like the skeletons being under expert conquerors, for example, um, I, is good, right? Because it means that that skeleton unit is counting as 30 on the objective, right? Mm -hmm. So, so if you only did that with black Knights, or you, actually you can't even do that with black Knights because black Knights aren't GVs. So you wouldn't be able to do expert conquerors. I still, 
there's value in something like death rattle skellies being in the list under gvs and using things like expert conquerors but if i wasn't going to do expert conquerors and i was trying to do i don't know reduce drops with you know, a battle regiment then yeah may, maybe it's not the best choice before we get into the other list i just want to talk quickly manny how do you use Manny? Because Manny is a little combat monster. He's got a great um, uh, command ability to give plus one to hit and plus one to wound as a bubble. I love that. Um, but more importantly, he has got the ability to teleport out of combat. So it's almost like you get him into combat, but if he doesn't want to be in combat, you can just get out of there. Yep. And uh, I use that a ton. So if I'm kind of clogged up in the middle of the board, I can shoot Manny off to basically a screened unit itself and i'll then charge with whatever i need to and that'll create a new hole in the center of the board so i'll have manny hit the outlier unit he'll do a monstrous action and then teleport away and then he'll go back to give his uh aura a plus one to hit and plus one to wound back in the center if i need that there if not then he might just be out there to be an outlier so it all depends on where you need him and when you need him i always used him to steal objectives like that for me, because he can teleport anywhere on the board as long as it's outside of nine of enemy units. As the board is kind of compressing uh, and, and getting into the, the key combats or somebody has moved off an objective, he is a great stealer of objectives, especially if you need the one, two more or there's something that you need out of him. Um, because the one thing I learned about Manfred is he is not a vampire lord on Zombie Dragon. He's not as combatty or tanky as, as the vampire lord. And he really plays like he he is in the lore. If you've ever read the lore about Manfred, he is sneaky. He he is stealthy. He he will uh, backstab you. That's how he plays. I will find the weakness and I'll hit a flank. I will never go up into the guts and find you know the the more crusher. I won't go into the super <laughs> yep. combat. Like I'll never hero on hero with Manfred. I will find the the ones that are favorable for him, and then scoot out of the ones that he's not interested in. Totally. And I think that's how I usually use him. I don't think during Nova that I had him fight anything of like big value except the one game I played against Suns because obviously they only have, you know, those models to fight against. Uh, but he's great. I think his utility is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I definitely didn't touch on that I probably should have was the whole vampire. I used him just to basically be a mechanism buff for more of the blood knights so with sanguine blur the command trait allows them to pile in an additional three inches it doesn't mean they can pile in from six they already have to be within three so it helps them maneuver a little bit more and with wonky things where you're turning your knight sideways just to keep coherency it gets funky but once he casts the sun it's there to help the knights since their ren's only a minus one so it really brings them to like a minus two so I'm not using it to one-shot things, really. It's always there to just kind of make my stuff deal more damage. I actually think I killed more of my own Blood Knights with the Sun than I did other people's models that tournament. I I think I've killed a grand total of two Plague Bearers with the Sun rolling a one. I, I, have not, I haven't got a good scalp. I have not got a good scalp. These On Twitter, you're like, oh, I killed my Maw Crusher. I, can't, I, I put into so many things and I can't roll a one. So uh, I'm <laughs> truly cursed. But I like that you've combined the Arcane for the plus two to cast because the Vampire Lord on foot gets plus two to cast under Soul Blight uh, and the Legion of Blood. Um, so a great reliable caster for the, the, the casting value eight per, uh, Purple Sun. 
anything else you'd probably want to call out? Did you not, did you realize like your high drops were an issue? Um, would you prefer to have bounty hunter as a battle regiment at, uh, at Nova? I definitely think so. The dictating who's going first is so huge. I think in the current state of the game and some of the games that I was able to play against, I was just at the mercy of people like, all right, well, you going to let me do what I want to or what's going on. And somehow I was able to get a couple of rough matchups and with some good long bomb charges from the grave guard that day was great, but it might not have happened if I wasn't able to, you know, pick who was going first. I could have set it up a lot better. Opponent and battle plan aside, do you prefer to go first or go second in the first battle round? I prefer to go second. Because? So I kind of want people near me. The Blood Knights can only reach out so far. And I feel like the stuff that I can keep safe is going to be safe because nine times out of ten, once people hear my whole spiel of this is what this does, this is how this works, they try to shoot Nephi right off the board. So turn one, I best day ever, just to give her that plus one. And then if I need to, you can always all out defense her or if they try on anything else. But it's always there to keep basically those three units on the table as much as possible. The Vampire Lord's nice to have, but I have had him sniped out turn one in a game because of poor playing or basically positioning. So I want them to kind of move up, get to the objectives as much as possible, then allow me to run out and do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like, you know, you're not, you're not over-reliant on particular buffs going up in, in at, the, at the top of the turn, but there are some key pieces and you learn this when you fight death is that one, you've got to concentrate and kill a unit. So like when you go in to the, let's say the grave guard, you never split your attacks. You go in and you go in hard because if you don't kill that unit, a lot of units can regrow and you know it's, it's very very tough at times. But two, there are linchpins, and I think you know when you've got two four hundred point mortarks uh, and a couple of linchpins, you know you can pull apart it pretty easily. So, you know again pros and cons on are you go high drops? Do you go low drops? Um, the I, I've recently dropped bounty hunters. I want to try my lists without bounty hunters because as more and more people pull away from GVs in their list, I am questioning, do I even need bounty hunters to begin with? Am I better off going battle regiment and expert conquerors? Um, Cause like I've, I've been pretty good with three drop, um, but like, I just have, I'm not finding the value in, in bounty hunters. There's just not enough, of these GV chaff outside of like Daughters of Cain or some list that are just, or Nighthaunt, Nighthaunt's another one, but outside of those two, um, it's very hard to, to justify. That's the same direction that I'm moving in. I'm well speaking of. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, speak, speaking of that, here is the tweak. So um, this is this is the, the tweak that's happened. So the first list was the Nova list. Um, you do it in four and one incredibly well in top, top 20 um out of what over a hundred um so very very good you this is your thinking now so the list has slightly changed changed uh, we know purple sun has increased from went from 70 points to 90 points the other changes happened is that um it used to do damage uh, you roll a dice uh if for all the models within three inches of the purple sun and a roll of a one it would auto slay um that has been reduced to one inch and if you have a wound characteristic of, was it 10 or more or nine or more? Nine, um, or, more. nine or more. It now does two, no, D, D6 plus six yeah. mortal wounds. So the auto slay is gone. The range is reduced to, to one instead of three, but it still does rend minus one 
in the aura of six. So the Ren piece didn't get changed. Before we get into that, why did you keep the sun despite the changes to purple sun, the points, the, um, the, the reduced auto slay type stuff? I kept it mainly just to buff the damage up of everybody that's going to be around it. Whether it's Nephi that's getting in there, her dagger is crazy at minus two rend, and people kind of, it's not likely to happen, but if one of those attacks gets through, it could potentially, you know, just pop your big hero if she's the only one fighting it after a whole bunch of debuffs. But it's there to keep the Blood Knights kind of smashing into things. So the list hasn't really changed. You've still got your two units of Black Knights, still units of two units of, of Death Rattle Skellies. You've got your Grave Guard, your, Black, your Blood Knights, your Purple Sun. But where the change has come in is um, you've lost the Vampire on foot. Uh, and in its place, you've gone the new Vampire, Caddo, um, the Hollow King. So one, we know that you've had to do that because um, the Vampire Lord's a little bit more expensive than Caddo, uh, I believe. So mm -hmm. that that brings the the list change in. Oh no, cheap. Yeah, it's cheaper because of Purple Sun. But what do you gain and what do you lose by bringing in Caddo? So what I lose is the plus two to cast from the Vampire Lord from being Marshall. I lose out on him being a Legion of Blood hero to benefit everything else around him. It's kind of a heavy hit. What I gain though is a more fighty vampire. He then has a toolkit to where he can keep up with both the Mortarks from changing his one, uh, I think it's a marshal is what it's called, but he gets to move 14 inches. I could also then make him a mini vampire lord with plus one to casting and unbinding, or if I really need him to cut through something that's on a two plus save or whatever, I can always have him do his attacks that just go straight to mortal wounds instead of doing the hit wound and uh, save process. Yeah, looking at the war scroll, that's pretty good. And by the way, I'm I'm taking the Mickey out of his name. Yes, I I, I know it's probably Kado, or like I'm I'm just being very very bogan Australian when I call it Kado. I know it's not his actual name, but you're right. Like like I look at it, and yes, you lose the customization, but you know we we talked about this earlier in the show. It is very cool. I like it. Why wouldn't you bring in a White King instead? Do you think? Do you still need the the vampire? Do you think? Because that's another option, right? You could do a White King, but he hasn't cast spells. That's the big thing, is that for a Neferata spell to go off, if I start limiting how many casts I have, I have to either outcast or kind of meet people's casting. Because if they just have more unbinds than me, there's probably no prayer that I'm going to get her unrendable uh, spell off on the targets that I need. Uh, and yes, to the to the question in the chat, um, yes, one of the big losses probably you're going to have is you lose that plus one attack on the Grave Guard. And it's interesting that you would do that. I almost feel like if this was my list, and it's not, I almost feel like if I drop back one of those Black Knights units into another unit of Skellies um, to free up the points to keep the Vampire Lord. And again, this is the great thing about these discussions. If you're if you're if you look at this list and go, I don't want to run Black Knights, or I love my Die Wolves, or I want to run something different. You do you. It's just how you're currently thinking about it. Um, but you know, there's a lot of flexibility. However, you want to run your style of army. You might want to you might want to bring in a Necromancer for Van Hales. You might want to, you know, I, I I do think you're right. I think that to that point around the loss of the plus one attack on the Grave Guard. I wonder if that's too much. Because that, that, that is a key synergy piece, those two. It definitely is. The issue was is keeping him kind of with the command abilities when I needed him there. So I'd probably say maybe out of two turns, if that I use that ability. 
when I played. I probably have misplay on my part because I could have then hammered through things a lot faster. So if I go back, I definitely would, instead of taking the Sanguine Blur and the Orb of Enchantment, I would do Arcane Tome and Master of Magic as well. And then really make him that super caster for getting the sun out there, adding an additional spell, and just keep going. Yeah, like you could drop, um, you know, there's a lot of flexibility. That's why, why I love these discussions. You know, yeah, you could drop a unit of, of the skellies and, um, and and make them bats, but then the challenge would be to that question, then you can't fulfill expert conquerors because then you've only got one unit of skeletons and you don't have, like, it, it's almost like how do you, how do you tweak your list without gutting the list and, and what makes the list work? And I guess the question at the moment is, you know, if Sun's important, you want to get the reliable cast. Yeah, maybe the Vampire Lord with Master of Magic, Arcane Tome, um, with the plus two coming from the Legion of Blood, Arcane. All of a sudden, this little foot vampire is super, super casty. And um, and maybe even you add Warlord, get extra spells because you've got Arcane Tome and give you more tasks double casting. Again, the beautiful thing about list creation, there's so much customization. And because your roster is so deep, there's a lot of flexibility, a lot of things you can do. I didn't even think of that. That's an, I love these types of discussions, man. Now you got me rethinking stuff. What are you thinking? Like, here you go, live live stream, folks. We got literally <laughs> the, in, in the in the mind. Like, what are you thinking now? Like, what like based on what we've discussed? Like, what are you thinking? So, I also thought about if I really needed the sun while I had it there. Like. Yeah, it helps you punch through things faster, but if I dropped that, taking an additional 10 skellies to get three expert conquerors, just to have that additional in there. But thinking of dropping the Black Knights, you won't be able to screen out your complete line, but you will be able to get that super casty vampire back, and that might be a reasonable drop. Yeah, the way the way I always try to think about my lists is I try to think about having three, at least three threats. And I always try to think about, especially at the moment, I think one of the things that I was thinking about, um, and Nighthawks kind of brought this to my, the front of my mind again, is making sure I've got three. And, th and we had this really good discussion, actually, with um, Gavin from um, America, who won uh, the LVO start of the year, was you know having three sources of damage, making sure you've got high volume of attacks, high rend, and high mortal wounds. You need to have those three sources of damage. And I noticed that some of my list has been very heavily towards rend and volume, but not a lot of mortals. And since Night Haunts really come into the picture, and you've got these castles of like the Cruciator with the um, the Spirit Hosts, then backed up with like you know your Dreadblade Harrows or you know Graveguard, uh, Graveguard Chain Rasp and things like that. You know if you're going really over the top with rend, then you can't fight through those 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 um, Night Haunt. It can be real struggle. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where almost Graveguard with the vampire combination comes in because of those those great blades do mortal wounds. They can be your linchpin. Uh, hey, but look, this this is the beautiful thing. We're all we're all list constructing together. And yeah, you know, you could go Arcane Tome, Master of Magic, drop one of your battle line, bring in cogs and have the a levitating vampire. There's just so many great and this is the benefit of Soul Blight, is that you have so much customization and so deep of a roster that as the meta kind of adapts and general's handbooks change and in a couple of months time there will be a new general's handbook we'll we're only on six month seasons at the moment so who knows that could be a it could be like a, a malign sorcery again it could be all about magic in the next one 
it could be actually all about infantry like they promised this time that didn't actually happen. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there's those zombies, those zombies and corpse cuts all come back out or, you know, the, pal the palaquin has its time in the sun. You've got the roster. Some armies just don't have the roster. Like Carriage and Overlords. When they're good, they're good. If Purple Sun ever gets nerfed again, they go back to crap. <laughs> like Purple Sun is the best of legions in KO, and you at least have the uh, the flexibility. Anything else you want to add your list? Because I want to talk to you about something we mentioned right at the top of the show, and you said um, you said that you've got the secret sauce on handling the Cronspine. Uh, I don't think it's secret sauce, but the built-in rule for the Blood Knights is they can retreat. It says they make a normal move. They don't make a retreat move. So you can hit the Cronspine, do your thing, and then Riders of Ruin away. So you almost, it's not like you're trapped in there with the Cronspine. The Cronspine's trapped in there with you. I was rereading in your yeah. movement phase. If this unit's within three inches of an enemy, it can make a normal move. If it does so, it passes through. Boom. Right? Like it says it can make a normal move, period. And then it goes through the whole if they have small wounds, they can move through as if they had fly, and then they do mortals. But so you do mortal says, wounds, you can you you make a normal move. In, it's not a retreat, it's a normal move, which the Cronspine locks you in because it says you cannot retreat, and this is not a retreat move. This is a movement move. This is a normal move. Um, and because you've already got the combination of um, a two-up save unrendable because of Nephi, they can take the hit, do the damage, and if they need to get out, they can get out. If they want to stay and tank the Cronspine and stop the Cronspine and going into other parts of your army, like your Mortarks, then the five Blood Knights are at, at even 10 Blood Knights, even five Blood Knights. If it was just a unit of five, and I know you've gone and got a unit of 10, for 200 points tanking and, and holding up and ultimately killing a 400-point unit is a cracking trade piece. It was definitely an awesome way to find out when I read the. That is such a good little trick. I had not thought about, yeah, love love the Bushman. Um, that's such a cracking idea. Actually, that's really cool. Um, has it also come into play in any other areas where, because Cronspine locks you into retreat. Is there any other ways? Because like a lot of people I've just found, actually, what, first off, I rarely see people use rider, Riders of Ruin. And I don't know if that's because they forget about it in the moment or when they're locked into combat, they can't move anywhere. And I think they want to get into the juicy stuff. But if you've got like good layers and screens and then it's hard to kind of get those bases, especially you who's got a unit of 10 blood Knights. I think it's mainly forgotten about. I know that when I looked at that unit's war scroll and saw the kind of click with Nephi there, I was like, this unit does everything that I needed to. And with the plus one to damage on the charge, meaning that they never have to retreat, but they can always move while locked up. You kind of just do a shuffle where, all right, this one blood knight stays in coherency, moves up half an inch to overlap your base, and then we pull out, come outside of three. You can redeploy if you'd like, but I'm going to do mortal wounds to that unit on the way out. And then I charge and get my damage buffs again. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. I have not seen many people, if any, um, at least use that against me. Maybe because I know what blood knights do and I kind of – clear them out but i also haven't seen a lot of units of 10 to be honest most people seem to be taking them as units of five 
it's definitely rough because with coherency, what you lose out on basically four nights completely. So they're just there as wound sponges. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I found. I just haven't found a lot of people taking a block of ten. It's the block of five, and maybe because of the ethereal stuff that Legion of Blood bring to the table, that it makes the unit of ten more viable. And you are being a big wound density anvil that you can soak up so much damage. Um, where a unit of five, it's a good, but without the Neferata stuff outside of Legion of Blood, they're not nearly as tanky. What's the keys to success with winning Soulblight? I've got a couple of other burning questions, then we'll kind of bring this home. But I'm curious to like get into the heart and mind of your success at Nova. What was the key to success if you were going to like, teach me how to play Soulblight? Um, like what worked for you? Um, what were some of the things you kind of tried that 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 didn't work for you? Like talk to me about the successes. So the big thing is if you're going to run both Mortarks, yeah, they're both decent on their own, but I always played them in tandem. There was one game in particular that uh, I can't remember the mission where it's basically four objectives on each side and you can burn them from your opponent. Oh, uh, yeah. But I can't yeah. remember the name. It, it'll say, change names in a couple of months. Oh, I'm not even worrying about exactly. the names anymore. It's like there's Nidus Path, there's the Realm Stones cachet that explodes. The rest of them I'm not even going to learn. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but I took them, and because of their movement with 16 inches, um, the opponent went first. He was playing Seraphine. I was able to move them up and kind of just demolish two units right off the bat and sit on an objective. So I was already getting more primary points with hold one, hold two, hold more. And then they kind of just swept the entire backside to the point where uh, after debuffing, I want to say it was an engine of the gods, Nephi just put her dagger into it and popped his soul. So that was really sweet. Nice. Is there any things that didn't work for you? Like things that maybe... Um, like at the moment, you know, we've had the emergence of um, of Sylvaneth. You've got uh, Nighthaunt, who's doing really well at the moment. Any any tips or tricks or, on handling those types of armies? Have you come across them or have you built some things in because of those those units? So I haven't played against the new Nighthaunt yet in a tournament capacity. But Sylvaneth, if they're running the silly Trump boy, and he just throws his tree out there while I have my castle up and he takes turn one and just does 600 mortals to me, I have to crawl out of one deep pit. And it's kind of abysmal of a game when I don't know what I was doing the first one and I lose a vampire lord, two units of black knights, and I can't remember if it was Nephi or Manny that took like half his wounds because I was in that very small, tight deployment zone. Uh, ah, you, you, you the song Revenant just did the, the, um, the mortal wound bomb. Yep, and it completely just demolished me. But after playing it, it's kind of like I'm now backpedaling my units more if I see that potential. So he's only going to hit like a Black Knight unit and a Skeleton unit. So will I be able to get to the objectives later on? It's still a climb out, but I still have my tools to do it. So that's kind of neat. Uh, the One of my roughest games, though, for uh, well, was my loss, was against the uh, Sons of... Uh, and... I messed up because I was like, all right, he is shooting, so I'm not even going to bother with my expert conquerors on the objectives. And I should have just put him on there. But I used them to launch him into the backfield with the grave sites and get that extra point for having uh, 2GV behind enemy lines. And mm. when I, I was like, all right, cool, I'll be up on points, I'll be able to stop him on objectives. But I wasn't able to kill the one that I thought I was going to in one shot. So the whole plan just fell to pieces because – 
I didn't have my expert conquerors in the right spots where I needed them. Do you think your list will change a little bit as, um, so Zench, Zench has cu- just come out. Literally, I did a video not long ago. Uh, Lumineth will probably follow not long after that. Uh, you'll also have Gargans and you'll have Ogres coming out in the near future. We know they're the next books. Do you think your list would change? Because I guess you got Zench and Lumineth, which will be more magic orientated. And then you'll have melee focuses coming from the Ogres and coming from Suns. Um, and obviously we don't know the rules and, the, and what's coming out and what's going to be good, but do, do you see your list having to adapt or do you think at the moment you can handle the magic supremacy and the, the, the melee orientations of those four factions? The melee, I think I'm all right with it's once everything starts casting 600 more spells than me with bonuses that I just run out of dispel dice. I just run out of basically choices. So if they're like me, they cast, you know, ones that'll hurt you but not the big ones. So it's like, do I take the punch in the face now or later? And I might have to retool to get extra unbinds in there or have additional uh, pluses to unbinding and casting. So I think magic orientated armies smoke me off the table as well as like heavy shooting and Lumineth is going to do both. Right. So they're probably going to be a real tough matchup. Well, it comes down to how much reliance you have on the spell law. Um, so if you are relying on, you know, particular spells going off when you go up against Zinch or you go up against Lumineth, you may not be able to do that. So it's, how do I handle, like, what's my plan if I can't get off insert spell here at the same time, the last list we just talked about the master of magic, arcane tome, vampire Lord, that's arcane in Legion of blood with like (laughs) plus two, re-rolling one one of them put on arcane you're now plus three to the cast um to get off that critical spell like purple sun then or you know something from the law of vampires then you'll really improve your chances of casting i think those those wizards that have no boost to the cast when those magical supremacies of seraphon lumineth and zinch really hit the tables then you've got no reliance yep so i think after you know having the open discussion, I think I'm definitely going to go back to the souped-up magic vampire lord. I like Kato, but I, getting the sun off when I need it is going to be detrimental. Well, the other part of it is like, well, if you if you don't think it's going to be successful and it's a hundred odd points, then do you just take your sons of behemoth approach and go? Well, I'm just going to not bother. Like, I'm not going to bother with Sun, and I'm just going to do do things that are in my control. And that could be a corpse card. It could be you know, uh, an extra unit of Skellies. It could be a Necromancer or a White King or whatever. So I guess I guess if you're listening to this, put it in the comment section. I'd be curious to hear from you, like, what you're thinking and how you're thinking about adapting. Because I think, again, we have so, we're really lucky to have a deep book like Soul Black Grave Lords that you can adapt to the meta and, you know, slaves of darkness is going to come who knows what comes in 2023 and you've got a deep enough roster to be able to adapt as you go you need bodies you got it you need heroes you got it you got well shooting unfortunately you don't have shooting but (laughs) outside of that you're pretty good maybe final question um how do i beat you is it well hey you told me right neferata and your little vampire lord on foot are certainly some of the linchpins to this force is is that how i defeat soul black grave lords if you're able to basically keep me off objectives with shooting, uh, body blocking. Basically, if you have map presence, that's the best way to do it. The issue 
kind of comes with can you kill Nephi or try to drop out the Blood Knights before they're super buff. If either one of those two drops, I have a real rough time. I think out of the entire tournament at Nova, I almost lost my unit of Blood Knights, but out of all the games, I think it was only one where it came down to uh, Thankwill trying to blow them off the table, and they just, one of them survived with like two wounds. I always had another good idea. Another thing I just want to call out, I just, I just, the dots connected literally as we were talking. Another benefit of Riders of Ruin is that you can get out of a combat in preparation for a rally. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so if you've got a unit of 10 and they're dying and you're like, shit, I've only got one or two models left. And especially if you're in the battle plan that you do rally on a five up, get them out of combat, rally. And you should be able to hopefully spike one, if not two, out of the unit of ten. So um, that's another good use of Riders of Ruin. Oh, I'm, I'm becoming more of a fan of, uh, of a unit of ten Blood Knights. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this. <laughs> I'm liking this. Uh, and if you could, okay, last question, uh, and we'll bring it home. This has been awesome, by the way. I think we could talk a lot. I, I really do like Soul Black Grave Lords. I, I really do, uh, and I love Mortux. Um, it's a shame you lost Arcan the Black, though. I, I had I had a, a Manfred Arcan the Black um, combination I was building, and then the Jerkwad went and built Sob like uh, built Aussie uh, um, Bone Reapers. <laughs> uh, the last question I was going to ask you is uh, if you could add one unit to Soul Black Grave Lords, what would you add? What was what's the new unit you would create? So it's really, I guess, kind of you know, not a surprise, but. I'd create another Mortark. Oh. 100%. Um, I'm a huge fan of the old fantasy world. Krell was probably one of my favorite characters. If they could bring Krell, the Mortark of Despair, a combat-orientated, no messing around with magic, just monster, would be fantastic. He's who I'd want to see. All right, I like you even more. Uh, anyone doesn't know if anyone who doesn't know the lore of Krell, Krell's lore is incredible. He was a chaos warrior um, or a chaos hero uh, that was reanimated, um, and him and um, uh, crazy scientist Heinrich yeah, Heinrich yep. Kemmler, or as he got known as Necromancer with hat, uh, they would <laughs> went around stomping the the realm. I love those two. I wish Krell actually. I really wish Krell was um, was back. My my heart is the next Mortark has to be the Flesh Eater Courts Mortark. If I'm being honest, um, I would love that duopoly of, you know, you've got Nagash who thinks he's everything. But he needs someone to start challenging him. And I feel like it's the Flesh Eater Courts with their Mortark. Is it Ushuran? Ubshan? Whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, I, I want him to start challenging the throne. I want to start seeing uh, Flesh Eater Courts versus Soul Blight. That would be, that would be, um, yeah, look, look, Jonathan, yes. Look, bring back Vlad. I'll be honest, when when Nighthawk had their te teaser videos, I was praying that it was going to be Isabella. I thought, the lady of grief could be Isabella and um, crying and grieving for Vlad, but they went to Linda and I'll accept that. Um, I think <laughs> Vlad and Izzy are, are no longer coming back. They're kind of done. They've, their story is done. Um, couple, all right. All right. A couple of burning questions. People have decided they want to jump in. Um, what type of player would be drawn to this play style? The army style. I like that. Yeah. What, what type of player? If you are a player who likes to have tools at the ready and can make kind of like these sneaky, cunning plays, 
they're definitely the play like the army for it. They can you want them to be in combat, but then utilizing your tools and where to pick them to do certain things is kind of it. So if you can basically bring a Swiss army knife and then use those tools when you need them, this is the army that you want to play. Yeah. And, and you're a type of player that is not aggressive. You know, if you want to be an aggressive turn one, strike your opponent out, go to the bar at, by turn three, um, it's probably not for you. You are in the grind fest probably equal to Nurgle. You're definitely a grindy army. I mean, there's certainly ways around to build around the grind. Like you could go all elites with um, vampire lords on zombie dragons. You'd be going blood knights. They're much more elite, but you are traditionally a grindy. You you win by playing the five rounds. Um, so it means you need to be fast. You need to be thinking long-term. You need to be thinking about gravesite placement and bringing back models and grinding your opponent down and, Probably the other thing I really enjoy is the debuffing side, being able to reduce movement, being able to like debuff attacks, being able to like stop your opponent doing what they want to do. None of your games were on Season of War, were they? Because Season of War did stream some of the the games, both the Invitational as well as the GT. Are you on stream at all? Sadly, no. And honestly, I can't blame them even if they did pick me. I had the Quicks Lap Chopped Army that was just black gravel bases that I'm still working on for another GT coming up in a couple of weeks. So I apologize to all of my opponents that I played against that you played against a bone army that was metal and black. All right. Well, I think it's completely a lie because people are saying they saw your army and they thought you were beautiful. Would you take a mega gargant? Would you bring in the mercenary mega gargant and yours is the gatebreaker. You've got the best of the options. Death has the best option. Um, ironically enough. um chaos Chaos has the worst the war stomper would you take the the gatebreaker mercenary mega gargan i honestly haven't even looked into them so i would say i would look at it but i feel like it would take up too many of the tools that i already like so he may do something that i really want to do but what am i going to lose out on it so i'd probably have to lose what manny and a couple extra points because he's 430 something five no 525 the, 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 the gatebreaker is the most expensive of them it's 525 currently um i mean it's 35 wounds he is the most combat one though so he does the most damage a lot of attacks a lot of rend uh, uh, he does a lot of damage um but he has a shooting attack as well a range 18 shooting attack so it does bring some good diversity i've seen some good stuff with night haunt with the gatebreaker um, I guess the question is, do you need that 35 wounds? Do you need the high damage, high rend? Um, and, and it could be a replacement for your, oh, I mean, your blood knights kind of, but you lose a lot. Yeah. I think I lose way too much trading for him. All right. Final question. And then we're going to bring this home. Lyle asking if GW was to drop the band hammer, they never will on, on soul blight, but just, I don't freak out kids. Um, and if you couldn't take this list anymore, uh, where would you go next with soul black grave Lords? So if you were, you couldn't use, um, I don't know, Neferata breaks off and, and creates her own faction and she's over somewhere else. Where would you take soul blight? So, uh, I would probably take it completely to an elite skeleton list because to be honest, the weird vampires, the zombie stuff, I never liked I'm just strictly, you know, armored skeletons. That's my favorite thing for them. So I would probably take two bricks of 20 Graveguard, a um, bunch of extra skeletons, and probably a additional support for them, and then play the game where I throw skeletons in, I'm bouncing around grave sites and kind of just swarming you until you die on dusty bones. 
I don't know where I would go, to be honest. Like, I think there's so much cool stuff, right? Like, the palaquins and the, the Coven Thrones rarely get used these days. I, they just seem like the cool piece, and then you run out of points and you drop the Coven Throne, the Blood Palaquin. Um, you know, Radhika, um, what's her name? Belladama. I love Bella. I think I think if I was doing something, I would build around Belladama. I don't know how I'd build it. I don't know what I would do. But I feel like I would build around Belladama because I really like her. I don't really like the new monster, like the Avagorian stuff. I'm not really a fan aesthetically of of um of those. But Me neither. I think Belladama and Radica, I could I could definitely run some like mad tag team, death tag team. Chris, this has been awesome. I've really appreciated this chat. If people wanted to talk to you, are you on social at all? Are you on the Twitters? Are you on like the death Facebook groups? Are you in my discord at all? Like if people wanted to talk and, and bounce list ideas, where, where can they find you? All of the above. Um, basically I'm in your discord. I'm on 90% of all of the age of Sigmar groups, even factions that I'm not supposed to be in secretly, you know, Manny's got to be conniving and find out everybody's secret. So, um, if you guys want to find me on Twitter, though, my name is It's a Mia Luigi on there. It's a Mia Luigi. All right, you, you yeah. message me after this, and I'll add it to the video. Perfect. I didn't know that. All right, last question. All right, Jonathan, I'll ask this last question. If you had to convert a Vangorian Lord up, how would you do it? I'd put one giant pillar on that size base and put Krell at the top of it, charging down, ready to kill everything. <laughs> I wonder what, like, and I don't know the size, so, like, I don't know if this is realistic, but I wonder if, like, because it's a centaur, right? Like, it's um, essentially, like, half monster, half body human vampire. I wonder if you could use, like, Sigvold as the top. If you could, or, like, the new demon, the the, new, the upcoming demon prince, I wonder. I don't know. I just don't like, the, I just don't like the, the I don't know. I, I don't I don't want to say I don't know what they're doing because they make gorgeous stuff. But that model, when I was like, oh, cool, they're getting a new mo- – wait, what, what is that? So it yeah, kind of just fell with me. Yeah, like it's – it's yeah, it's not for me. That's not for me. I, I think I'd need an idea of like what this Avangorian monster is trying to be and why it's so morphed out. You know, is it is it that it drank tainted blood and it's you – know, but then that's kind of going to the flesh of the quartz realm. Um, is it – did it does it eat beasts and if it drank the beast uh, the blood of uh, i don't know something from Gur, then i want it to be more i don't know i don't have an idea <laughs> i'm not sure maybe people in the chat can tell me in the comment section but chris let's go for, I'll, I'll go uh, add your twitter to this thank you for everyone who uh, watched this live or who's watched this on replay um if you haven't watched some of the other shows thank you to the patrons and the youtube members who have bought this brand new mic my brand new studio recorded mic hopefully the sound has improved um not that the sound was ever bad but um i've made a heavy investment in the audio setup so hopefully you're enjoying the improvement chris you're an absolute legend hopefully we'll see you are you going to lvo i'm gonna try that's the next step i do have a small gt coming up in a couple of months if any of you guys are in the north carolina area it's going to be at mighty meeple in concord so if you all want to come out and kick my butt with my skeleton models then come on Awesome. Well, hopefully I see it LVO. I'll be over there. People know I'm coming. I'm making this public. Let's awesome. go hang out. Let's go do things. Um, go to Mighty, Mighty Meeple. Is the, is, when, when's the event? It is October 8th. So, so like two weeks a, from now. Yep, two weeks from now. It's a two-day event. 
All right, go go check out Mighty Meeple if you are in the what region? North Carolina and United States. And city is Concord. Cool. I don't know where that is. How far is Concord from Goldsboro? I feel like Google Maps. I, I don't know. To, to be honest, Australia. I'm so new. I moved from New York down here back in uh, last fall. So I only know like the Charlotte area. So I'm sorry, guys. All right, Chris. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, guest. Thank you, everyone. You're all legends. And here's the outro. Uh, like and subscribe, all that stuff. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the video description. I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a one on a redeploy.